what we're doing right now going out into the city is the DNA of who we are. It is our design. You have to remember in this facility, we're about five, six years old, somewhere around there. Um, and m for the most part, God has had us growing and building and increasing, and we've been a little bit introspective. But now he's saying go. Last week in the message, Pastor David had a commissioning. Whereas the apostle, the builder of the house, he commissioned us to go out into the city. Okay? So today we're going to have an opportunity to respond to that commissioning. Okay? We're going to have an opportunity to say, yeah, that's me. Yes, I respond. One of the things that I talk a lot, I say a lot to people that I disciple is just the only thing that I'm going to ask from you from the very beginning is to have a yes and amen in your heart. Not to me or not for me, but from God. Because if we say yes and amen to him, it's limitless what he can do in us and through us. If we just respond to the Lord and say, yes, not my way, but your way, not my will, but your will. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's an open door. We got saved. We opened the doors of our heart, right? But sometimes we don't open the door of our life. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Just responding to the Lord, yes and amen. So in Habakkuk 2.3, it says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that they may run that reads it. So I'm about to talk to you about our vision statement, our mission statement, and our core values. And we've written the vision clear. We've given you revelation of the DNA of God in this house. Okay, we're about to go over them. And so then it's going to be up to you to grab them and then run. Run out into the city. Run out into the highways and the byways. So let's look at the vision statement for Rock City Church. So Rock City Church is on a mission to advance the kingdom of God by transforming both the natural and spiritual climates of our city, of our region, and the nations of the world, okay? So our vision is to advance the kingdom of God. So when we go out on the outreach, when we go out on Rock the City, guess what we're doing? We're advancing the kingdom of God. It's not about building the church, Rock City. It's about building the city to be the body of Christ and be its namesake. Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. So the body of Christ, us, is going out into the body of Christ and partnering with the assignment of God for this city to bring heaven to earth. First of all, do you believe we can have heaven on earth? Yeah, amen. Okay, so I'm in the right crowd. So Rock City is on a mission to advance the kingdom of God by transforming both the natural and spiritual climates of the city. And I said it just a minute ago, guys, we are not the thermometer of the city. We don't just go and read the temperature. Oh, it's hot for the Lord. They're on fire. Oh, no, this is a cold city. We set the temperature. We are the thermostats. If we have the fire of God burning inside of us, then guess what? Everywhere we go, we take that fire. It's like lighting it everywhere we go, psst, 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 right? So the first thing we had to do is make sure you guys are fired up. Pastor David, who's fired up? Are y'all fired up? I'm fired up. We're fired up. 
So now that we're all fired up, we're going to go fire up the city. Okay? The next is the mission statement. So the mission statement reads, transforming a region comes from transforming people. Not into the likeness of Pastor David or of Amber or Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Marlene, but back into the image and likeness of Christ. This happens by what? Teaching identity. Who are you? Who are you? Your sons and your daughters first. You're not a worship leader. You're not a children's church director. You're not a greeter. You're not an usher first. You are a son and a daughter first. You have talents and you have gifts and you have anointings, but that's not who you are. You are sons and daughters. So most times when people are new to Rock City, they're gifted, they're talented, they're anointed, they're appointed, and they're called, and they're gifted. And we say, have a seat. We love you. We recognize the gift in you. But let's make sure your, your identity is in order and that you recognize you're a son and a daughter because we don't want to use your gift. And you're falling apart and beating your wife at home or shooting up drugs in the parking lot or you're stealing from your job. We don't want to use your gift. We want you to know who you are because that's transforming. This happens by teaching identity and empowering them to walk in the spirit at all times. Walk in the spirit at all times. I say all the time we are a trilingual church. We speak English in this house. Y hablamos español también. Ho. And we also speak We are a Holy Ghost church. We walk, move in the spirit all the time. You're not going to find it in a back prayer room, but you will. But you're going to find it in the main house too. Because we know you have to have the power of the Holy Spirit with you at all times. So through supernatural power, supernatural power and authority from heaven on earth, through the fullness of Christ living in us, we can fulfill the covenant promises of God through generational legacy and possess the gates of the city and the nation. Guys, I have four grown adult children that attend this church and that are in ministry here. And I have 14 grandchildren that attend this church. 16 on the way. I got not, not, there's not 16 on the way. There's two more on the way. Let me clarify. Woo! We're having triplets and quadruples. No, 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 no. Let me clarify. I have 14 present and two on the way. So this is about legacy for me. And it should be for you too. Because what he does for me, he does for you. He's not a respecter as a person. Respecter of person. It's not like I can have it, but you cannot. So this is about generation and it's about legacy, not only for the house, but for the city and for the region. We often send out our mission trips. We haven't recently because of the build out, but we have released from this house people. When we were victory, they went out to Africa. We've done Brazil. We've done Mexico. We've done Ireland. I don't know where else. There's been several others. But we're, we believe that everywhere we go, we take the DNA of Rock City, which is Jesus Christ crucified, with it's the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to, to see signs and wonders that follow those who believe. I don't have to go and fight for a sign and wonder. It, oh, God, please let this person get healed. I don't have to fight for that. I just have to speak the word. He didn't say go out and pray for the sick and they be healed. He said go out and heal the sick. So I got to believe that he can and that he will and that he's able. And then I just release life. 
That's a word for somebody in here. You got to believe. You got to believe. And then you just go and release life. And so that's what we're doing in these outreaches. We're going out and we're releasing life through the city. How many times do you hear people complaining about Corpus Christi? All the time. Oh, the potholes. Oh, the construction. Oh, the crime. Oh, the gangs. Okay. Oh, the Jesus. Oh, the God. Oh, the love. Oh, the mercy. Oh, the grace. That, that city's on fire for the Lord. That city's moving and grooving for Jesus. I said grooving, guys. <laughs> Showing my age. The next is the core values. Guys, we're just about keeping it real, keeping it 100 all the time, all day, every day. We're keeping it real. It's really our core value. I'm not going to lie. We're, we will get all up in your business. 100%. Not to judge you or to condemn you, but to call you higher. Because you can be in ministry for 25 years and still be hiding your junk. Amen. Because I was there. I was in another church teaching deacon, but I had not been healed of the demons in my mind. My thought life was a mess. My thought life was a mess. And it's when, it came, when I came under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in Pastor David that I dealt with the junk. And I am fully persuaded and fully confident of who I am. I'm not boasting in me. I'm boasting in him. Because I can stand here and say, I am the anointed of Christ. I am the anointed of God. But I don't have that junk in my mind anymore. And here's the thing, guys. Not everywhere, but a lot of churches will let you fake it till you make it. We don't. But because we believe in you. And we believe the God in you. And we believe in the more for your life. And we believe that you are able and capable of doing all that God has called you to do in the gifting and the talents that he has given you. And we want to partner with you and see you rise up into the fullness of all that God has created you to be. No shame, no guilt, no fear, no hidden sin. We're all about being real. We, our core values are to reflect Christ. Equip the family, advance the kingdom, and love our community. That's about how aggressive we get. We want to reflect Christ in everywhere we go. We want to equip the families. Let me tell you what, guys. Nowadays, you have the society out there that tells you that you can feel whether you're a boy or a girl based on your emotions. I have 14 grandchildren in this school system. I have 14 grandchildren that are being raised in this society. And I'm teaching my grandchildren as we teach in this house. We're not led by our emotions or our feelings. We're led by the cross. We're led by Jesus. We're led by the scriptures, which is truth. Because how many of you know how we feel today doesn't mean we're going to feel that way tomorrow. So we want to reflect Christ, equip the family. I had four teenagers growing up at the same time in my house. Help me, Jesus. I survived and I'm on the other side. So I have a little bit of keys that I can help you get to the other side, too. I have some keys. I can tell you, no, girl, don't do that because that didn't work. No, do, do this because it did work. Something was on Facebook the other day. Those of you who saw it, saw it. I was like, oh, my kids love to do that. And my son was like, yeah, mom, we were really doing this. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? I'm still going to beat you. I don't care if you're 33 years old. 
I had to catch him first. So what we're doing with Rock City, the outreach is going out into the city. It's part of our doing DNA. It's who we are. God is focused on maturing the men and women. When I got ordained about two years ago, I'm very heavily in the anti-human trafficking movement and cause and fight. And the Lord pulled me back for two years. And he said, focus on the house. Because if I go and rescue or recover or help women, if I bring them to the house and the women in the house are not ready to receive them, But now we've created a safe place that the women can come and will be received and loved and not judged. Okay? So we've been focusing on growing, maturing men and women. We've been introspective, but now he's sending us out. So I want to go over a word from the prophet Isaiah of what's to come. It's Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. So in this chapter, Isaiah is prophesying about what's coming. But if you go and look at Luke chapter 4, Jesus gets the same passage out of a scroll and reads it openly in the synagogue because he's saying, this is who I am. Okay? This actually is my life verse. It was like, I couldn't pick an easy one. Like, I don't know, could I put John 3.16 for God to love the world? Like, that's my life verse? No, I had to pick one that's like out there. If any of you know me, know I'm pretty extreme. Just a little bit. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the word of the Lord says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for prisoners, for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So I'm going to break this down a little bit, and I want to hit each little part, and then I'm going to go over some other things. But the first thing I want to look at is the spirit of the Lord is upon me. See, in order for you to go out and be effective, you've got to have the indwelling, empowered, indoing power of the Holy Spirit. It, it, you're not, or it's not going to work. You're going to be tired, frustrated, discouraged. Nobody listened to me. Nobody got saved. Nobody heard me. When, you wor- when you're working under the power of the Holy Spirit, it's easy and it's light. And you don't expect yourself to perform. You just know God will do it in his time and in his way. So the spirit of the Lord has to be in you, working in you. And when you get saved, the spirit of the Lord is there. But there's also the next step, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, come and talk to one of the prayer partners because we can help you. We can't be effective without that power. Many churches have sought to substitute man's programs for God's spirit. We hear it all the time. We're a new church, fairly new, not that new, but we're still growing. There's transition. Things are changing. And people will come to us as leaders all the time. We need this program, and we need that program, and we need this program. And, you know, they'll probably come. But above the programs, we have the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we're not hiding behind that and saying things aren't messy and we don't need those. There are things that we need, but we believe and we trust Holy Spirit for what he's doing in every season of this church and every season of our lives. Because without that, until we can get you guys fully baptized, leading, guided by the Holy Spirit, the programs aren't going to help us. They're going to fill time, but will there be true transformation? We're not a fake it till you make it. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the Lord. I mean, I'm sorry. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. So I want to talk about that word anointed. Anointed means to be set aside, to be set apart, and to be sanctified. Okay? You go even deeper, and in the Old Testament times, they even poured oil on the heads of those that were being appointed king, priest, and prophet. Okay. Two years ago, Jeremy and I were ordained as associate pastors here, and we had a man of God come into the house who's a prophet. We believe in the fivefold ministry here. Okay, Pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist. Who am I missing? Apostle. Thank you. We believe in the fivefold ministry. We don't take the term prophet lightly, but this man is a prophet of God. And so we came into the house. We were getting ordained as pastors, and the next thing I know, I see him walking in with this big old bottle of olive oil. I was watching him. I was like, whoa, what's about to happen? I was watching him. At that time, I had really long, brown, blonde hair, and I was looking at, I was like, there's two bottles. There's two of us about to get ordained. So some people were appalled. Oh, my God, what are they doing? That's crazy. And I was like, bring it. <laughs> yeah, there's still spots on the rug, guys. See, what people didn't know is that in my early walk with the Lord, I prayed. And I would read about the priests and the kings and the prophets being covered with oil from a ram's horn. And I said, God just want to be anointed like that. Like that is amazing. So when the prophet's walking around with the oil, I'm like, oh, it's about to go down. So sure enough, he gets the oil and anoints us both. And I'm a hot mess. I mean, I am weeping. I am crying. Y'all that know me know I ugly cry. And people are like, oh my gosh, Marlene, I was just waving that slick hair around. All oiled up. I, that's why I can fully confidently say I am the anointed of the Lord because let me tell you, I put it up in a bun later. But here's the thing. Not everyone needs to be anointed by a prophet with oil because in your secret chamber at home, you get the same experience if you ask for it. Okay. Mine was just different because he knows God knows I'm extreme and Kevin's a little extreme. So we worked really good together. But you can get that at home on your own if you just ask the Lord, anoint me for this season. Anoint me for this. Anoint me for that. So when we proclaim good news to the poor, that doesn't necessarily mean someone without money or luxuries. It means a poor in spirit, poor in health, mental capacity, emotional capacity, the fatherless, the orphan, those without hope over any situation. So we can't take that as, oh, I have to go out to the poor, less fortunate, less privileged side of town. No, no, no. It means anyone in poor spirit. 
someone who's in despair, afflicted, weak, those that are in need and powerless to change their position or to change their situation. I didn't know how to change my situation. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was addicted to prescription medication. Guess what? I became an addict. I didn't know, I didn't know any better. My whole neighborhood was drug infested. Every other house was a dope house. I had no clue what it meant to live drug free because I started doing drugs like at 10 or 11 years old. I was powerless to change until I met the man named Jesus. And then when I met the man named Jesus, I didn't have to do anything because his power changed me. All I had to do was say yes. Yes. I just opened the door of not only my heart, but my life and said yes and amen to everything that I came my way that I knew was of him. I just said yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. I forgot the rest. Yes, Lord. Yes, I will love you and obey. Where's that guitar? No, I'm just kidding. Where's, where's Nathan? It's my audition. So money and prestige can't buy you joy or peace. That can only be obtained in and through a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. He's a triune God, and so you need it all. The next thing is to bind up the brokenhearted, those that are crushed by life circumstances, those who are crushed by their own sin and their own choices. Because here's the thing, guys. We give the enemy too much credit. Oh, the devil made me do it, but you're the one that lit that joint. Oh, the devil made me do it, but you're the one that overspent that money. Oh, the devil made me do it, but you're the one who gave in to anger, fear, wrath. It was you. The scripture says that he doesn't, he will always give us a way of escape. Okay, he will give you a way of escape. You just got to look for it. But when you're trying to hide from people, you're not looking for the way. So we have choices. So Jesus brings relief to those areas of our lives that have caused us pain or dysfunction. We have been anointed to tell or to preach others to others about the answer or the solution to their struggles. Here's the thing, guys. I firmly believe that what you've overcome, you now have authority to walk in. Okay? What you have overcome, you now have the authority to walk in. You have the keys to this hurt and dying world, and the first key's name is Jesus. Okay? So if you don't know what to do, look at what's familiar to you. Okay, I struggled with porn, so I'm over that. I've overcome it, and I'm healed, so then let me walk other men and women out. I struggled with fear, anxiety, depression. I'm off my meds. I weaned off everything, and now let me help others get that freedom too. Think about your life and all the things that you've dealt with, comparison, pride, greed. See, we want to talk about the big things because, you know, Pastor David and I was all drugs, alcohol, all that nonsense. But there are other sins that everyone else struggles with too. You may not have been an addict, but maybe you have been riddled with fear your whole life. Maybe comparison is your issue. Well, if I was just like Pastor Marlene, you know, God would use me. No, if you just say yes, you don't got to be me. 
You don't have to be Jeremy or Amber or Pastor David. You just have to say yes, because you have keys I don't have. I don't have the keys. We may share some keys, but there's some things that are unique to you. Jordan can open his mouth and sing, and people will be set free. I open my mouth, people laugh. I'm just saying. But it's keys. I don't have the keys that Jordan has. But I can lay hands on somebody and a demon will scream. So I'm just saying, we have keys. Now think about all the battles that you've won or you've overcome. Now those are the keys that you have to help people based on the testimony of Jesus in your life. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The next thing is to proclaim freedom for the captives and release darkness for the prisoners. So proclaim means to cry out and to yell. And I told the first service when I was studying that, and then this morning I was going over and just, you know, really meditating, chewing on the word and what I was going to preach on. Every time I came to that, I kept hearing that old song, go tell it on the mountain, over the fields and everywhere, go, right? Come on. Ho! So we don't have mountains in Corpus, unless you call the big thing at the dump the mountain. (laughs) But what if we change those words? Go tell it at the campus. Go tell it in the neighborhoods. Go tell it at the Walmart, you know? Uh, So we we can, it's to proclaim and to cry out. And this reference was specifically referring to the year of Jubilee, where every 50 years, a ram's horn or a trumpet was blown, and all debts were paid, and all slaves were set free. Well, guess what? We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. So the year of Jubilee for us really is every day. We have days of Jubilee where we just go out and cry out to those that are lost, that are hurting, that are broken, that are in despair, and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is your answer. He has the keys. He was crucified. He rose again, not so that we can just get a ticket on the train to heaven, but so that we can be in relationship with a loving Father, that we can shift the generations behind us. Because let me tell you what. I have a generation, two generations, three generations coming up behind me. And while my kids are not perfect and they've had their stuff, they have never struggled, nor will they ever, nor with my grandchildren, the sins of my past. Because I said yes. I said amen. So to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I like to call this the great exchange. We can exchange things. The ashes will represent negative things, pain, loss, afflictions, disappointment, but God promises to replace it with beauty. When I moved here 28 years ago, I was addicted to drugs, cocaine, marijuana, alcohol. I was partying seven days a week. I was a supervisor in a law firm in downtown Dallas, and I would go out at night Come home, shower, and change, and go to work. Hi. For years. The Lord called me to Corpus Christi. I moved here with three kids under six years old in the middle of a divorce. I went from being a supervisor in a law firm and having a new car and having my own home to living in government housing. 
and having to apply for food stamps. And instead of shopping at Nordstrom, I was going to the thrift stores. The first year was tough. Our apartment didn't have AC. I didn't have a car. We rode the bus everywhere. We stayed at the pool. We were dark, like real dark. <laughs> My kids were dark. It's the only relief from the heat. 28 years later, the Lord has blessed us in more ways than I can ever explain. I can't even tell you. And it's not about cars or houses. It's about my children being free. It's about my grandchildren being raised in homes with no violence and no drugs. And their little souls not being hurt. And me being able to shower them with love. Because I know what love is now, guys. I didn't then. Oh, my parents did the best they could with what they knew. And I'm a first fruit. Okay? I'm not the only fruit in my family. I'm the first fruit. So if you're waiting for your family members, stay your course. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't lower your standards. Don't lower your standards because you want to fit in. Because you want Thanksgiving dinner to be good. Now, don't be religious and crazy. But love really, really, really well. My father, who was the alcoholic in our family, was abusive and violent. In my one year of being saved, he called me and said, I want what you got. He went to rehab that day. And I had 10 years with a loving, affectionate man that I never knew my whole life. I just said yes. It was just a yes. So then the oil symbolizes the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which means the presence of God. It's his power, his strength, his ministry is merged into your body and you become anointed by God. The garment of praise. Sometimes we think of this as, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. It is a weapon and it is a tool. You can choose to keep your garment on or you can take it off. I'm sorry, guys. I had a horrible childhood, but I am not a victim. I may have been victimized, but I am not a victim. I choose to rise above. I choose to keep that garment of praise because let me tell you what. My praise is a weapon. My praise. Where's the, where's the worship team? I just pull that cloak around and. I feel like Zion right there. <laughs> My praise is a weapon. I can choose to take it off, but I refuse to. Most people think praise is something you do at church. It's a garment that you put on. It's the piece of an armor to fight off the enemy. He can't be around you if you're praising, guys. He can't be around. He can't set up camp with you. You're going to repel him. But when you take up camp in that misery and, oh, everybody's against me and nobody loves me and my life is so bad. I'm not saying it's without trial or tribulation. In this life, we will have trials. It's a given. But how you respond to them is what matters. You're not going to. I say this story all the time. Prophet Kevin was here another time. 
And he's talking about to share in the fellowship of the suffering of the Lord. And I'm crying, but I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about somebody else I know that was struggling and how I will never know their hurt. And I was crying for them. And Prophet Kevin says, Pastor Marlene, get up here. I was like, no. I want you to say I want to share in the fellowship of the suffering of the Lord. And I was like, no, I don't want to say that. I was like, no, please don't make me say that. And he's like, come on, get the mic and say it loud. So I was like, I want to share in the fellowship of the suffering of the Lord. And he made me say it louder. But then fear hit me. As I'm standing here in front of everyone, I felt. Here's the thing. When you've been delivered from something and it tries to come back, you will recognize it. When it's in you and on you for so long, you're deceived and you don't even know it's there. Because when you're being deceived, you don't know you're deceived, right? So I'm sitting there yelling this. I want to share in the fellowship of the suffering of the Lord. And I feel this thing. And I recognize it exactly the moment it hit me. And then I started yelling from the mic, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Trials will come. Tribulation happens. And it the, the reason I got into that story is because two weeks prior to that meeting, I was telling the Lord, why do we have to suffer? Like, I don't understand. Life is so good. Like, why? And then Kevin comes. And it was like, oh, Jesus. But let me tell you something. Even in the suffering, he's faithful. Even in the darkest hour, he is there. The other thing is that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Guys, I am not qualified to do what I'm doing. I barely graduated high school. I don't have a college degree. I didn't go to theology school. Somebody asked me one time, oh, you're an associate pastor and you preach. Where did you graduate from? I'm like, the hood. I'm alive. It's a true story. (laughs) I was like, I graduated the hood and I'm still alive, guys. And I'm here to preach about it. (laughs) Let's look at Jeremiah 1 through 9. This is a prophet of God who didn't feel like he was qualified, who felt like he had nothing to offer. Guys, he there's a whole book written about him in the Bible, but he struggled just like we do. What do I have? Who am I? So I'm going, to read the, I'm going to read this really quick. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year in the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And there in the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah. This is legacy. Legacy is important. If they're telling you in the Bible who the lineage is and the time frame, the fifth year, the 11th year, there's seasons and there's times for everything, and legacy is important. We have to work on legacy now, not when it's here. Like I had to instill in my children for when my grandchildren got here. And then make sure my grandchildren are walking with the Lord for when their children come. So verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. 
I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign God, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Don't be afraid of them, for I'm with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today that I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant. Listen, beloved, this is the word of the Lord to you this morning. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb and you have been set apart from him. Lauren, do you hear me? You are set apart for the Lord. R.C., you are set apart. He knows every hair on your head. And he chooses you every day. He chooses you over and over every day. This man was a prophet who was afraid and thought he didn't have anything to offer, but God chose him. We're set apart. We are appointed as prophets and priests and kings and queens in this nation, in this season, for this time. It's up to you to answer the call. It's up to you to say yes. It's up to you to say, Lord, here I am. It's up to you to say, I will continue to wear my garment of praise. Let's look at Exodus 4, 1 through 10. Here's another mighty man of God. That felt disqualified. Even though he was raised in the palace. Exodus 4, 1 through 10. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me or say the Lord did not appear to you? We're too afraid to go out and prophesy to people because what are they going to say? Are they going to believe me? Are they going to listen to what I have to say? That was Moses. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Mind you, he just saw it in his hand. He threw it down in fear. Ah! I don't know why I do that stuff. <laughs> then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a, took a hold of the snake and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that you, they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. So God is telling Moses, you go out and speak and I'll do the miracles. And they can't deny you. I'm going to do it in such a way that they're going to be like, oh, he is from God because he's from, the, God, he's from the same God or the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. I don't know about you, but just when I say that, I feel the anointing on it. Because that's who we are. We're their descendants too. And then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. Verse 6, so Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and he took it out, and it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And then the Lord said, if they don't believe you or pay attention to the first sign, then they'll believe the second. But if they don't, he's given plan A, plan B, and plan C, okay? If they don't. 
Believe these two signs or listen to you. Take some water from the Nile and pour it onto the dry ground. And the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Sorry, excuse me, sir. Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me. I have slow speech and I have a tongue and I can't, 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 can't talk. Remember, Moses stuttered. If we look at our own self, we limit ourselves by our flaws or what we think are flaws. I can't. I don't know how to speak. I'm slow. I don't think that fast. Then the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. But then Moses said, excuse me, sir, can you send someone else? See, when I first got called into ministry, the Lord's like, I want you to speak. And I was like, what? No, no, no. I can't speak publicly. Never in my life have I ever spoken publicly before I became uh, saved. And then it just happened naturally, organically. I started working with small children, the nursery, the preschool, the elementary. I jumped to children's church, went to adults, went back to high school all the time preaching and talking. But when the Lord first called me, I said, but God, I'm hood. Like, I, I ain't going to say something right. Like, I'm going to get ghetto in front of everybody. A true story. And then the Lord's like, no, I called you. So you may not have the mic. But you're still called to speak. You're still called to proclaim the good news to the poor. That Jesus is the answer to their despair. And then I prayed, God refine my speech. God help me. Every now and then, you know, kind of goes. But it's just part of my DNA too. And he likes that. So God called Moses to rescue his people from slavery, but Moses felt his lack of speaking skills disqualified him. What is the enemy lying to you about that disqualifies you? What is the enemy telling you? Oh, no, your life's been too crazy. Oh, no, you don't know how to speak. Oh, no, you just messed up two weeks ago. Oh, I'm not called to that. I'm not called to go out in the street. I'm not called to you know, minister to the people. I, want, I, want to, I don't want to catch the fishes or help them until they're clean and ready for baking. We're all called to rescue because there's only one rescuer with the power to free us from the darkest prison. I don't know about you, but I was rescued. I was rescued from the pit of hell. And so how can I not, why would I not give someone what God has so graciously given me? The last thing I want to look at is, I also want to tell you about the story in the life of King David. Think about that for a minute. He went from a shepherd boy to a giant slayer to one of the greatest kings of all history. And most importantly, most importantly, he was known after as a man after God's own heart. He was not qualified. He just went out and did it. But the anointing, the prophet came and anointed him, separated him, called him out. 
So years ago, I got called into um, a fighting, battling human trafficking um, in the region. And so when I got ordained, I felt the Lord pull me back a little bit and said to build the house, which we talked about. Um, but the way that I got called isn't something that I said, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to go out and, you know, help girls and women. I deal primarily with adult women. Um, but I had gone out with a friend of ours and gotten trained. And it's one of those things once you know, you can't ever unknow. And so this friend was moving out of town and she was leaving her ministry behind and she asked me to take it. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't know nothing about human trafficking victims. I'm not a survivor. I don't understand that life. Like, what do I have to offer? No, no, no. I'll help volunteer, set up, tear down, but I don't want to be responsible for it. And I was asleep one night and I got a 3 a.m. wake up call from the Lord. My alarm and my mind went off at 3 a.m. Anybody else ever get those? You just wake up wide awake. One time I asked the Lord, Jesus, why 3 a.m.? He goes, that's when I can get your attention. I was like, oh, my bad. Note to self, be alert during the day. So here's the thing, because I just tell on myself all the time. You can hear the Lord and speak to him throughout the day, but there's moments he needs your undivided attention. Undivided. And for me, it happens to be at 3 a.m. I wake up as, as I wake up in the morning fully awake. And I begin to hear the Lord give me downloads and strategies and dreams and things of that sort. But it was one of those 3 a.m. wake-up calls, and the Lord was calling me into the ministry. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. What do I know? I don't know anything. I don't know anything about human trafficking. And so it felt like, you know, when who was that? I forget his name. That wrestled. Was it Jacob that wrestled with an angel? So I was like, no, Lord, no. Kept pulling back and forth, pulling back and forth. And then finally I was like, okay. I don't understand. And he's like, but you understand freedom. And I said, oh, that I do. And he's like, and it's for freedom that I set you free and not just your own. Then it was like, whoa. Then I flipped it instead of I don't want to or I can't. It's like not my way, but yours. Not my will, but let your will be done, Lord. Whatever that looks like. Whatever it looks like. So one of the first cases I worked on was a 15-year-old girl. I'd been doing advocacy awareness for years, and I got a tip about a 15-year-old girl that was being uh, forced into prostitution and, um, here in town. And it came through a mutual friend. And I think all the time, I don't now, but I used to, what if I didn't answer that call? What if I had said no? What if I had walked away? This girl got rescued, got some treatment, She's now in college at Del Mar. But she had been on the street being exploited for probably 90 days. So today's a different story. I'm fully confident in who I am, even though the enemy comes against me daily. So this week has been horrific. That's so dramatic. This week has been really rough. <laughs> it's like, wow, horrific. Did I really use that word? It's been really rough. Those of you that are friends with me on Facebook know I got robbed at gunpoint about a week ago. Um, I also got attacked by a lady who tried to beat me up because I prayed for her, and she got wild on me. And then I've had these unexplained illnesses that have been plaguing me for about a week now, different things. 
But for me, it's a momentary setback. We're expanding, guys. We're expanding the shopping center. The roof is being done. We have expansion going on here. Not only that, we're expanding out into the, to the city. We're taking territory. Okay? So I'm about to go do street outreaches again in a very rough neighborhood. And I feel like the enemy is like, okay, let me try to get you scared. Let me try to get you sick. And I can give in and say, oh, I'm a victim. But I refuse to be victimized. I refuse. I refuse. Same thing. When I got robbed, I felt that familiar spirit try to hit, try to land on me. And I said, that's fear. I came into a flourish meeting. I told the ladies, get up. I got, I've got no shame. I know how much prayer works. I know the power of prayer. I know the power of breakthrough. I'm not going to hide and cry when I get home and pretend like everything's okay and I'm going to fake it till you make it. No. I'm going to say, guys, I need help. Come and pray for me. Please come and pray for me. I feel this familiar spirit and I, it, can't, it can't rest on me. We're about to go back out in the neighborhood. It started for me years ago in a worship set. I was at a a church, and I was in a worst time of worship, and I don't even remember what the band was playing. I don't know, but I was just me and Jesus. It was corporate, but it was intimate, and I was crying out to the Lord, and I was just in the moment, and I was saying, here I am, Lord. Send me. Weeping, send me, Lord. I'll go. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll go. Not knowing what it would look like, not knowing that I'd be rescuing girls, not knowing that I'd be in Africa, not knowing that I'd be in the neighborhood, not knowing that I'd be out here, not knowing, but just saying yes. So today we're going to give you an opportunity. The last one I want to look at is Isaiah 6.1. I'm going to call Candy to come up and I'm just going to do the end of this. The end of this scripture. Let's look at verse 5, 6, 5. 6, 5 says, Then I stammered and said, Woe is me, I'm destroyed, doomed as a sinful man. We disqualify ourselves. Who am I? I'm full of junk. I'm not ready. I can't do this. I don't got my life together. I got issues. Guys, we all got issues. Woe is me, I'm destroyed, doomed as a sinful man, for my words are tainted, and I live among people who talk the same way. I don't say the right things, and my friends don't say the right things either. I don't always do the right things, and I hang around with people that don't do the right things either. Guys, you can be in the world and not of the world. Not every person I hang around with is saved and loved Jesus and is on fire. But even when I'm with those that are not, I am saved, I love Jesus, and I'm on fire. Because I'm the thermostat, not the temperature. Woe is me, I'm destroyed, doomed as a sinful man, for my words are tainted and I live among people who talk the same way. King Yahweh, commander of the angel armies, my eyes have gazed upon him. Then out of the smoke, one of the angels of fire flew to me and he had his hands, he had in his hands a burning coal he had taken from the altar with tongs and he touched my lips and he said, see, the burning coal, see, the burning coal from the altar has touched your lips. Your guilt is gone. Your shame, your sin is blotted out. 
Then I heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send to my people? Who will go to Corpus Christi? Who will go out and proclaim the good news of the Lord? Who will go out to rescue the captives? Who will go into the prisons? Who will go into the neighborhoods? Who will go into the campuses? Who will go? Then I heard the Lord saying, who shall I send to my people? Who will go to represent? And I spoke up and said, I'll be the one, Lord. I'll be the one. Send me, Lord. Send me. You've done so much in my life. How can I not go? How can I not say? How can I not make this city a dwelling place for the Lord? And its name is Corpus Christi, body of Christ. How can I not? I'm too young. I'm too hood. I, I don't got my stuff together. I hang out with the homies. That's true, by the way. There was a time in my life where I was young and still partially broken. I had major stinking thinking. But I was so grateful and overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And that for the miraculous things he had done in me and in my family. And I said, you've given me keys. You've given me keys. And I'm going to do this. So I'm going to ask you guys all to stand. Can we dim the lights? Very simple ministry time today. Today we get the choice to say yes. We get the choice to say I'm all in. I will do this. I'm ready. Even if I don't feel it. Even if I don't feel qualified. Even if I don't have the words. Even if I'm not sure. We trust you, God. So I'm going to ask every eye to be closed in the room. If you could please bow your heads. No one looking around, no one walking around. This is a holy moment. Holy Spirit, just fall. Just fall. Increase, increase, increase. Fill us up, Papa. Fill us up, Lord. If this message resonated with you today, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at in your seat. Nobody's looking. It's between you and the Lord. Nobody's watching you. This is your way of opening the door of your life, not just your heart, to Holy Spirit, to the Lord. To say, yes, Lord. Yes and amen. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know where you'll send me. I don't really even know what I'm called to do right now. But I have a yes in my heart. I have a yes. I trust you. I have keys and I'm ready to use them. I have keys and I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to use them. So I want you to pray right where you're at. Just give him your yes. Give him your amen. God, we just say yes and amen. That we will live in eternity now. That we will be catalysts to bring heaven to earth not just in our own hearts or in our own homes, but in this city where you have placed us. You have ordained us and anointed us and appointed us for this city and this time. God, we'll get out of ourselves, out of our feelings. 
God, we often feel like Jeremiah and Moses, and I can't, and I'm not qualified, and I don't know how to speak. But God, you've given us everything that we need. You've given us everything, every tool. So, Father, today we just say yes and amen. Yes and amen, Lord. Have your way. Let your will be done.